Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And unfortunately, we're not joined by Steve this week. We'll hopefully have him back on the show next week, but we've got a lot to cover in the next two hours. It's been another busy week in MLS, Whitecaps land, Canada soccer, a lot of things that we're going to be going over in the show tonight. We're going to be bringing you some audio from some press conferences, we're going to be looking at some of the MLS chatter, and we've got a couple of little fun things to throw in for you as well. But before we get into all of that, can I find out how your week's been, Zach? I've been very busy this weekend watching FA Cup football. That's one of my, my favourite passions, watching cup football. Maybe a, a bit of a sore point with you after what happened to Bayern, but I, I think the result midweek seeing Real Madrid knocked out in, in Spain and there was a couple of close calls and, and stuff in the FA Cup this weekend. For me... I just love cup football. It's one of the best things to watch. I just wish the Canadian Championship can get a bit more expanded so we can have some of this level of excitement in the Canadian Cup competitions. Yeah, I mean, the highlight of my footballing week was probably uh, Kirk and I wrapping up the treble in FIFA with, with Byron. That was kind of that was oh, fun. Oh, congrats! Yeah, so we're, we keep moving up levels, so uh, levels of play. So we'll move on to the next level in our new, our new season when we start next Friday. Um, but um, yeah, we've actually we've had a, a pretty good beginning to the transfer window. But um, uh, no, yeah, I mean the the FA Cup is not something I'm uh, following <laughs> following much this year. So yeah, I, I can you, understand you and a couple other friends. I used to follow it a lot more, but um, yeah, I mean the cup competitions are nice and they either uh i guess nowadays what happens is you get to see some young players play for the big teams and see if they can uh, yeah they which can, i can impress don't or, like as much no but or I mean, you it, to, if it, it causes closer games yeah. a non-league side like charlie just going down one nil to premier wolves and that was to an early goal as well and it's like they had a great chance to to level up and everything you don't get that I guess if you're playing the full strength teams, Cheltenham Town were one up against Man City with ten minutes to go before Man City's strength took over and they scored three goals late on. 
again, a full-strength Man City team, you're not going to get that kind of result. No. But it, it's it's been sad to see a lot of these games, obviously, with no fans there. And it's it just makes you miss. Like, when you see games like that, it makes you miss the fans not being there even more, I think, which is, is one of the things I know that whenever things get underway here, for MLS, CPL, we'll, we'll touch on those two things in this episode. You just want the fans back, and it still feels a long way away, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. In the cup matches, especially when you get to play in the smaller grounds where the the the, uh, the lower league teams get to host, those are pretty pretty awesome because it's a massive day for those fans, and um, they usually, obviously, uh, the stadium's usually full, and they. The, the there's a little bit more to the singing as you yeah. as you know uh from your experiences um so yeah yeah i mean football is uh, something different without supporters in the stadium um, yeah i mean we're, at, th- at first, we're thankful to have at least something but it's not quite the same yeah at first it didn't really bother me that much but as it's gone on especially like I, i've kind of hardly watched any premier games this year because I don't know. Without the fans there, it's not kind of hooked me in. And yeah, it's just, it's just strange watching it because at first you didn't really notice it too much, but the more it goes on now, it's like, yeah, really, really need this to change. It's It's got a bit boring. I've, I've, gone, I've, I've gotten used to it now. Yeah. That, not in a that's good not, way not a good thing, but yeah. yeah. Well, that, that that's a big discussion that we've had uh, on our East Fife podcast. Once fans can go back, do fans go back because they've been missing it so much or have they got used to watching things at home? Have they got used to watching the streams and it might be hard to tempt some folk back to sit in, like in a UK scenario, in the cold winter months when you could be sitting at home watching it in, in the luxury of your own living room in, it, in a big screen TV, front row seat, cup of coffee or beer or whatever you want. Anyway. Hopefully, we'll get some fans into some football on this continent this year. As I said, it does kind of seem a long way away, but things are progressing. And of course, you know the MLS season is close, or maybe close, when it's MLS draft day. And we had the draft on Thursday. I'm going to stick my neck out here, because I haven't asked you this, and say, you didn't watch it, Zach. Am I right in saying that? It was no, I did not. It was the online thing, right? I caught some, yeah. I caught a couple of the, the highlights, but no, yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I genuinely felt sorry for the guys hosting it. <laughs> now, it takes a lot for me to feel sorry for Matt Doyle because of his anti Whitecaps stances on the whole, but him and Andrew Weeb to have to fill two hours of mostly boring stuff. It was a task, and I thought they were doing it for all the rounds, but they said, yep, we're, we're rounds two and three, you can just fall on the tracker, we're stopping it now. And it's like, I bet you're glad about that, because how much small talk can you make for four minutes between every single draft pick? Yeah, I I uh, stopped listening to both those those guys and how they communicate based on uh, some of their perspectives and some and their approach yeah. uh, and their connection to the league. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I oh I don't feel bad for them because at least they have jobs. Uh, That's true. <laughs> like, unlike some of MLS that haven't, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's too bad. I mean, obviously MLS wasn't going to pay to do something social distance like 
you know, just to the degree of like they've done in the past where they're at a big conference center or whatever, but, yeah. um, and then broadcast that. But, um, yeah, whatever. It was what it was. And yeah. I mean, it's it was, dry it was, at the best of times. Yeah. It's dry at the best of times. Mm. Never mind when you're just watching folks staring at a screen and then there's a little bit of technical difficulties with some of them as well. I mean, I loved how before the first pick, Austin had the first pick. Everyone was going on about, oh, it's clear cut. It's going to be Clemson midfielder, Philip Mayaka. He's the clearest, I think it was Andrew Weeb that said this, the clearest first pick in a draft since Kyle Laren. Then he wasn't picked first. <laughs> then he wasn't picked second. He did eventually go third, but it's like, oh. Were there, re were there reasons in those spots? Like, wasn't fit? Uh, Austin just it wasn't what they were looking for, so they went for a player that they were looking for. It's that old thing. It's like, do you go for the best player available or do you, you go for a need? And I think for an expansion team, you go for your need. There's no point picking a, a midfielder if he's not going to be playing in your team because you don't want a midfielder in that team. Yeah. Was it reminiscent of uh, like Nag Nagby Salgado kind of thing? I don't know because I don't think that one was as clear cut, although obviously hindsight's a, a great thing and you look back and Nagby's possibly the best ever player you could argue that's come out of the draft in terms of having an MLS career. Just because his longevity is still in MLS, he's won MLS Cups and and everything like that. So I, I don't know. But all three rounds are done and dusted now. They did it all in the one day. There's no telephone one for, for round three later on. That's good. Um, they, we talked last week that the three SFU guys were up, Chris Guerrera and the two Polizzi brothers. Now, they weren't selected, any of those. And I don't think that was a, a, a big, big surprise, really, because you've got the whole Canadian domestic thing. CTV actually did a, a lovely feature on the Polizzi brothers the night of the draft. And I guess they had done it hoping that they were going to get picked so they could then just slice a little bit extra in. But they hadn't, hadn't got picked. I loved the piece because they used my commentary from the TSS games for a couple of the clips <laughs> that they showed. Not even Gideon as the main commentator, just my colour thing talking about the goal. And that, you just hear my voice as the clip ends, just trailing out of the piece. So obviously I, I loved that and made Caitlin watch it a couple of times. I had to make her watch it a couple of times because I, I made her watch it the first time. I said, what do you think of that? And she's like, what, what was I meant to be listening for? <laughs> I was like, let me play it again for you. And I played it again. I'm looking at her and she's like, is that you? I'm like, yes, it's me. You've only been with me for 18 years. You must know my voice by now. Ah, anyway. Um, I feel bad for Gideon. <laughs> he, he's, <laughs> he's briefly there, but they talk over him. <laughs> but um, it was nice to see it. And also the AFT and logo gets flashed up because it's on the... It's on the, the score thing, so... Represent. That's the whole reason that I did it, so I could get these moments. But two Canadians were taken in the draft. Sporting Kansas City selected North Carolina defender Mark Matt Constant. No idea who he is. But the Whitecaps, with their fourth and final pick of the draft, did pick a guy that we know. A residency alumni. Centre-back Joe Harrison from the University of Michigan. He's a captain at Michigan. And it did lead people to wondering, why did the Whitecaps have to draft their own homegrown guy? So I've had a couple of folk message me about that. So just to clarify it, the weird and wonderful 
MLS rules, homegrown players have to fulfil certain criteria for clubs still to keep their rights. Basically, it's they have to return to the parent club, do some training over the summer. That's usually it. Now, that it's a two-way street because the club has to keep an interest in the player and bring them back. But also if a player's like, you know what, I don't want anything to do with this club anymore. I'd rather just cut my strings and be out in the wild and be drafted by whoever. Then they don't need to keep in touch. Now, Joel Harrison at one point was meant to come back and play for TSS Rovers one summer. But he decided to stay in Michigan and do some extra schooling. Plus his girlfriend was there and he he didn't really want to kind of leave all that. So, I mean, that's understandable. He, we might not see him as a white cap though for a while or ever because he is going back to school as is their third round pick, uh, Eric Eloski from UCLA, a midfielder. So they're still eligible to go back to college and by the sounds of what, what MDS said, that's probably what they're going to do. But it is weird that you bring a guy through your residency programme and you have to then take a draft pick to draft him. Well, I mean... <laughs> We don't have to go into all the details, but we know multiple players who have chosen to get out of the Whitecaps MLS net, yeah. um, whether it be through going to school or going to the Canadian Premier League or going other other places um, to try and uh, remove the Whitecaps' hold on their MLS rights. So, um, yeah, maybe that's not that wasn't uh, Harrison's att- uh, intentions, but they now have his rights again, and we'll we'll see how it uh, how it plays out. He was very highly rated when he came through the residency program as well, and I know they wanted to offer him a homegrown deal way back then, but he wanted to go down the college route, get an education, and I I do encourage players to do that. I think that's the sensible thing to do. And as a centre-back, you've got a lot of longevity in the game, so I think you can afford to do that. Yeah. But Harrison and Eloski were two of the four picks. It's the other two that we're going to focus on, that's who the Whitecaps are going to be focusing on in, in pre-season camp. They signed from the University of Akron, Nigerian forward David Egbo. He went ninth overall. Then 23rd overall was Jamaican defender Javain Brown from South Florida University. And th- those two guys, they, they show a lot of promise. Egbo has 21 goals and 13 assists and 56 appearances over three college seasons. 35 of those appearances were starts. He went to the College Cup with Akron in 2018, where they, they lost in the final. He looks a fast player, an eye for goal. Although he can play out wide, he's really more, he's a bustling centre-forward. He's kind of an old-school kind of style centre-forward. In a lot of ways, he kind of looks, his playing style, a lot like Cava. It's kind of that kind of bustling, like raging bull kind of kind of striker, and I'm excited to see him and Cava play together as to what what they can bring. I think they'll it potentially if they do play together. I'm not talking about Egbo as a starter, at least not right away. Anyway, but coming off the bench, those two guys can kind of cause a little bit of bruising for some defenders. I think with their kind of style of play. Yeah, I mean, before talking about the player specifically, like if you go back and look at the history of the draft, whatever, it's 20 years, I think, 20, 2000, I think 2000 was the first draft. Mm. So this is whatever, the 21st, I guess. Um, players coming through the draft, unlike a Darlington Nagby, like you mentioned before, they don't, it's, it's a bit of a, 
it's it's a very low number of them that actually make an yeah. impact on their team, especially an impact early early on. And so I think I think people need to um, sort of uh, maybe reserve reserve judgment, yeah. and lower T- temper expectations, temper expectations, lower their expectations for now. Because here's the thing: like I think I think what happens, or uh, and this year is a prime example. Uh, maybe uh, you know it's. Um, it's heightened because of the pandemic and other things, but which we'll talk about later, but there's nothing else to talk about for the white caps in terms of players really. Yeah. And so people are looking at these guys coming, these two, especially these you know, first two picks, they're looking at them and they're like, Oh, like, I think they, they could fill this hole and they have abilities that might fit here. And people like you just get as a, as a fan, as a supporter, um, as media, you get excited because you you see the anticipation or you anticipate the, the potential contributions or potential role they could play like you were just talking about. And I'm not going to disagree with any of that. I just think the expectations need to be really, really low based on what's happened in yes. 21 years of the draft and what's happened in 11 years of the draft in Vancouver. Yeah, we um, haven't we haven't been the luckiest and our most successful ones tend to be defenders, which could make Javine Brown uh, an interesting yeah. pick. Because he's not your run-of-the-mill draft pick in no. that he's actually had four senior caps for Jamaica. And he's played at youth level for Jamaica, under-23 for Jamaica. And no, no joke? No joke there. I always get to that. Oh, and he's coming to Vancouver of his own accord. <laughs> Hopefully, because he has actually got a USL deal with Atlanta too. Oh, say that again. They've signed Atlanta too. Have signed him to a USL deal. He's Wait, one what? of a few players in the MLS draft that have signed USL deals. But the MLS clubs have first choice over them, but they have to make him a bona fide offer, or he'll go and play USL with Atlanta too. But, but we would hold his MLS rights. Oh man! So he has a signed deal. Yep. With Atlanta too to play USL. Yep. But. Okay, that's messed up because a USL team, no problem. But a USL team that's connected to an MLS yeah. team, that should not be allowed. Like that, just, that's like that's stupid. To be fair, though, if you look through the draft, Atlanta too seem to have signed a hell of a lot of players that were in this draft. I don't know if that's some weird kind of tactic of theirs or whatever, but it, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, the White Caps have his rights. He's a right back, and we do need yeah. a backup as a right back. Yeah, that, He's got that experience. That, yeah, that's that's what I. Yeah, uh, so Egbo, uh, am I pronouncing right? Yeah, Egbo. Yeah, Egbo, I think is more um, catches people's eye because he was caught earlier. He, or sorry, caught earlier. He was drafted earlier. <laughs> caught in the Whitecaps net earlier. Uh, <laughs> he was drafted earlier, and he's a he's a forward, a striker. He scored some goals. His record is uh, not like. Well, like crazy, like mm. you know, blow your mind crazy, but it's exciting. Like it's, uh, it's 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 respectable his his college contributions. But, um, the the, the person I'm yeah I'm more interested in to see what um what Brown can do at right back because, like, I again haven't I haven't I think I saw a couple of highlights or whatever. But like, you you want to get him in and see what he can. I I mean I assume they're gonna offer him a deal because yeah they have no depth at right back. Yeah. And they, they need a backup right back from somewhere. Well, they need they need it. Well, I think arguably one of the conversations last year was they need an upgrade at right back. And so well, yes. So this 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 is this arguably should be one of those two things. It should be depth slash uh, you know your uh, your your backup or 
It should be someone who's either going to uh, push Jake or overtake Jake. I, um, I think he could push him. Like he, He's played in the Jamaican Premier League as well, which is obviously a, a, a way lower level. He has only played one college season because he was redshirted in his first year in 2018. Now, the thing with both Egbo and Brown, they did not play a competitive minute in 2020, yeah. like a lot of these guys in the draft. And, I, I mean, I described it, which I checked, and it is more a UK phrase, but I think it is known over here. Pigging a poke? No. A pig, pigging a poke is you're taking a punt on something. Oh, yeah. Kind of, taking a, little a bit, Yeah. Uh, it's like you're going into something a little bit blind. Now, this isn't a total pig in a poke because you've got a body of work to look at. But a lot of these guys, their senior year is where you kind of really see some guys take that step forward or they just don't advance at all. So we don't know what both those guys would have been like in 2020. You have to hope that they haven't had a step backwards in their development either. Um, I asked them a bit about that in in the presser. So let's bring you some audio just now from both of them, then we'll talk a little bit more about them as well. So both the guys spoke to media on Thursday after the draft. So let's hear now from David Egbo and Javain Brown. Getting drafted and I know it. Hi guys, uh, congratulations to, to both of you and welcome to Vancouver. I've just got a, a couple of questions for, for David to, to start off with. Obviously, one of the, the fun things about draft day is we get to learn more about you guys and like your backstory and your journey. So for yourself, David, just really curious, what brought you from Nigeria over to the Kiski School? And then how did that journey go on to Akron for you? So I came to the U.S. in 2014 at Kiski School. I was uh, back in Nigeria. I was in a program called the uh, NTN Football Scholars, and the program helps um, kids. It gives them the opportunity to come to the U.S. on an academic scholarship, and I was lucky enough to get scouted to join that program. And then I um, went to Kiski Prep, and I was, I was there for three years, and then I decided to stay close to, because I, I made family in Pennsylvania, and I decided to stay close to home by attending the University of Akron. So, I mean, Akron's such a, a well-renowned school for, for soccer in, in North America, but like a lot of you guys, it's been a difficult 2020 because you weren't really able to, to play any games. How did you manage to, to keep yourself fit, keep up to match sharpness and do you feel that you you might be a little bit behind some of the guys that's going to be in training camp once preseason does get underway? I mean, I haven't played. I mean, we haven't played a competitive game in over a year or that, but that's no excuse, you know. I think um, with the whole layoff or break or whatever people want to call it, um, I would say you know it's it's about having the right mentality. You know, it's about what you want to get in every day from practice. So some people can be like, "All right, well, I'm not training for anything, so I could just take today off and chill." But it's about going to practice, you know, day by day, and just saying, "I'm going to use." today to get better and then keep using the next day to get better and better. So I saw it as a chance, you know, just to get myself better and take myself to the next level. I haven't played a game in a while, but, you know, for me, as long as um, I was practicing and uh, I, was, I was healthy. So I guess my main goal was just to get better every day from practice. 
So what um, I don't think um, I'm behind in preseason, but people may think so. But personally, I don't I don't think I am. But I'm really excited to go to camp and, and see what happens. Uh, I understand that uh, one of your assistant coaches, Aaron Akron, used to uh, used to play for the Whitecaps and, and Michael Nashoff. Uh, has he given you any uh, uh, tips on what to expect when you uh, you come up here? Uh, yeah, I, I spoke to him. He was actually here with me. Um, he told me uh, it's a great place. They they look out for you. That they're gonna take care of me, and um, you know, just just have fun, enjoy the moment, and be and be ready to work. All right. Next question uh, is for Jermaine. Just wonder how you uh, would describe your game. Obviously, you've played at a, a high level with the international ranks in Jamaica and also NCAA. How do you see yourself fitting in the uh, the MLS, which is known as quite a physical league? I'm quite physical, you know, because most Jamaican center center backs, that's right back, are known for the, that, you know, gaining experience in U17, U20, U23, and also the national team for Jamaica, you know, it's quite a big, a really good experience for me. You know, I played against really top players like Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, two seventeen. I played against, I played against a couple of good teams in in the Pan American games. I played against a couple of your wife the players that I'm seeing playing in Mexico and in in also the MLS. You know, I played against Honduras. I played against numerous teams that I gained a lot of experience from playing against those teams because you know those players are hungry about soccer you know they, they're really that's what they eat you know so playing against those players you got to think twice ahead of them you know because once they make a move on you you know you got to be like well you probably like whoa where is this guy coming from or you know so I gained a lot of experience playing for the national team which I'm grateful I also played home for RBVFC in the, in the pro league you know coming out of high school I played two seasons for RBVU it was a good experience before I I took the opportunity to go to the University of South Florida. Uh, David, for those of us who haven't seen you play, what kind of, uh, how would you describe yourself at a forward? Uh, what, what are you good at? Um, that's a very good question. Um, personally, um, I think I'm good at everything, and that's not to sound cocky or, because um, I, I think my versatility, I can play whatever position on the left, center, right, center mid, you know. Um, I can play back to goal. Um, I, would, I wouldn't say I'm the. I wouldn't say I'm the perfect striker, but I think I have a little, a little bit of everything, and that's what makes me different from the rest of the strikers. Um, so I think um, I think uh, it's just for me. I, I I play more. I love to play. I play center mid. I play center mid for Akron and play center mid for my in my uh, my um, summer league. You know when we played. So. Um, to answer your question, I, I would say I'm a little bit different than most strikers are in the in the MLS. So, um, you know, I'm just really excited to see what the uh, coach has installed for me. This one's to both of you. We'll, we'll start with Javain. When did you know that Vancouver might have an interest in you? Was it just when you were selected or had you had a, a chat with anyone from the club in, in the build up to the draft? Yeah, I had a talk with someone yesterday, you know, surprisingly. It was a good talk, you know. I was kind of excited because, you know, he said he watched me in a couple games that I didn't even know. I didn't even know that anyone pulled that game up. I was kind of excited, you know, and he told me that. He first thing he called me was like, I must be I must be having 
a lot of time that I've called you, I'm like, no, you know, you must be interested in me while you take your phone and call me, you know. And I told him before, he asked me a couple questions, which is, I look into myself, you know, because everyone knows a Jamaican, like a lot of Jamaican players come in the league, they don't, they don't, they don't stand out as they should. They do a lot of bad stuff, you know, which is I understand where it's coming from. And, I, you know, I put my, my, I put my everything in it, you know, when it comes on to soccer, I try to be serious and I try to be disciplined. Coming from Jamaica, you know, it was a hard to adapt to the American system, you know, instead of your diet in terms of time and stuff like that, you know, but going to USF, the, that team has taught me a lot. The coach, Coach Bob, Coach Jeremy, all of them taught me a lot that I see my life change. I give thanks for. What about yourself, David? When, when did you have any contact from the club? Did you know that they were maybe looking to pick you with, with their first pick? Um, I, um, I got in contact with with the team yesterday. Spoke to the coach yesterday, and then we had a very good conversation. So I was real, I was a little more relaxed than I was over the past couple of weeks. But um, I, I didn't really want to, you know, get my hopes up. I just wanted to be myself when I was on the phone with him, and just you know, and um, that's what happened. And I sort of got the the vibe that okay, maybe he, like he likes me and he might do it. But you know, I was just like, all right, well, if um, Vancouver passes on me, then, you know, anything can happen at this point. Vancouver, they're wanting to play a pressing style. They've kind of recently switched to having two strikers, but there's a lot of defensive responsibility expected off the strikers. Is that a part of the game that, that you're comfortable with, the defensive side, or is that an aspect that you feel you might need to work on a little bit? Yeah, it's a part of the game that I'm comfortable. You know, I'm like defense. You know, defense wins championships. You can't cannot play both sides of the ball and decide and 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 think you're going to be on the field. You know, I to I mean playing at Akron, we, it's the same way. You know, we do high intensity pressing, and that's how we that's how we like to play. That's how we like to play. So for me, um, I think um, pressing, um, playing um, on the, on the offensive end of high pressure, it's a style that I really that I really like and I've adapted to it over the past years and you know and whichever style Vancouver wants to play that's that's what I'm there uh, that's what I'm there for. Javane talked about his time playing with Jamaica I'd read just very briefly just doing some quick research on you David like your your desire to to play for Nigeria at, at some point down the road and how you'd had chats with, with your father about that in the past have, how much have the Nigerian officials kind of paid attention to you in, in the last couple of years with what you've done at college? And are you really hoping that this move to, to MLS is maybe going to springboard that for you? Um, I have had a couple conversations with the Nigerian chats. Uh, in 2015, uh, last time I was home, I went to, I was at the U17 camp with, with the, some of those guys, like those big players who were like Victor Aussie Man and all those, and the rest of them. And that was very good exposure for me, you know. And, but other than that, you know, I haven't really gotten in uh, contact with the, with the national team. And, you know, and for me, uh, I, I'm not trying to use this as a place to, to say springboard and get myself into the national team. You know, it's just um, I just I just want to play for Vancouver and and um, just enjoy the moment and whatever exposure comes. It's something that I'll be open to and um, just willing to take in day by day. Thanks so much, guys, and good luck. Look forward to seeing you in the pitch soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Getting drafted and I know it.
drafted and I know it. So David Igbo and Javain Brown there. Both of them don't lack confidence. No. We've seen some confident Jamaicans on the Whitecaps team before, especially some draft picks that have been a little bit confident from Jamaica before. Good old Darren, Andre Lewis. Yeah. But you have to back up that confidence anyway. But they seem capable. They seem genuinely nice guys. They both seem really excited to to be coming to Vancouver and coming to a young team. I think that excites them a bit more because they know it is a young team. Now, if both of them make it onto the roster, though, as I asked there, they both take up an international spot. Now, we only have three spots remaining, and we've just traded for one of those spots with Nashville, which is how we dropped down the draft a little bit. So if Saicedo comes in, that takes one of those spots, then they would take the other two. And I'm... Right away, I've got alarm bells going off going, ah, this does not look good. But MDS, as we'll hear in the next part, said, don't worry about international sports. said, that's not going to be a concern. So either they know they can acquire them easily, or some people that currently are taking international sports are no longer going to be on the team. So we can look into that anyway. But, yeah, it's, it is a little bit of a flyer on them. Brown might be the guy that's got more MLS experience, but I agree with you. Like, temper expectations on this one. We're going to talk about something, though, in the third part when we hear from Cava. There's going to be a lot of players away from the Whitecaps yeah. this year on international duty with Canada. Assuming Maybe those international matches go ahead. But well, yeah. yeah. Maybe international duty with other countries as well. We need depth. Yeah. And it's Eggbo the guy that can be depth up front. Where does that leave Theo Bear? A lot of questions. Can I can I put a question out there, Mike? Sure. Michael, for listeners. So listeners, those of you especially listen to the show for a while, uh, go on Twitter at AFTN and Canada. Uh, yeah, at AFTN Canada. Oh, sorry. I for, I forget which has the Canada. Um at, at AFTN Canada on Twitter and uh tell Mike or I want you to predict. Which of these two, Egbo or Brown, is going to be Michael's favorite interview? Just between the two of them, not the whole team. Oh. But for 2021, which one's going to be Michael's favorite interview? Because we know there are going to be multiple times this year where Michael comes comes to us and says, "Oh, my new favorite interview was with well, this person." It would have been if they drafted the Scottish guy that Austin drafted at the first pick of the second round. He would have been my favorite draft pick, but well, they, they didn't go for him. No. And a lot of the Scottish guys are leaving MLS to go back to Scotland. So, Johnny? No, he's still here. Um, Gary Mackay-Steven has left New York City FC. And I believe Chris Cadden has left Columbus. I need to double check on that. But anyway, that is it for this part. We are going to be back talking more Whitecaps and hearing from MDS and Axel Schuster. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. When the world looks like a Christmas cake, I had to put my foot in it. Shadow boxing with the snowflakes. Shouting from the summit I was only born a bastard one 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part was a song from 1994, an English band, Kinky Machine, Pissing in the Snow. Ah, from their album Bent. Takes you back, Pissing in the Snow. Don't eat the yellow snow, that famous expression. I was promised a snowstorm. <laughs> I did not get a snowstorm. I am I am disappointed, as yeah. I believe the kids see. Yeah, my, uh, my my children and my wife, who's an EA, are, are also disappointed that tomorrow's not a snow day. I was kind of quite pleased in a way because I had to take Caitlin to get uh, her blood taken, her six-monthly blood check that she has to do for her thyroid. So I didn't fancy driving at 10 o'clock this morning in the snow. So I woke up. I was like, oh, that snowstorm hasn't really come to anything. I mean, was there snow at your neck of the woods out in the interior? Yes, here in the Fraser Fraser Valley, (laughs) there was snow, Michael. Um, But it was like, yeah, it didn't really stay on the ground. Even up here on our little mountain. (laughs) I, I mean, we should be used to disappointment in Vancouver. I mean... Environment Canada predicting snow in Vancouver is much like the Whitecaps looking to deliver a number 10. It's promised every year and it just never seems to happen. Oh, man. Maybe this year will be the year. We'll get a number 10 and we'll all be snowed in. I'd, well, I'd take that. Well, at least there's there seems to be some... Um, the, the news around it and the rumours around it seem more exciting than previous years, don't they? Yeah, a lot of the weather reporters were talking about it. Oh, oh we talked about the Whitecaps number 10. Oh, yeah. No, there, there does seem to be... We're going for guys. Let's let's leave it at that for now. <laughs> Actually, we are, we are going to talk about that in, in this part. And, yeah, hopefully it's going to be a busy few weeks coming up for the Whitecaps because it hasn't been so far. These draft picks, as Zach said in the first part, are the exciting thing that we've got to talk about, which is why everyone's analysing them in depth. But what did head coach Mark DeSantis and sporting director Axel Schuster make of the picks? What lies in store for the coming weeks, the season to come? How is the search for adding talent coming up? We're going to play a little bit of audio now from the press conferences that they had on Thursday after the draft as well. And then we'll unpack a little bit of what they said after it. So here's MDS and Axel Schuster. We start off with the draft. Four selections today. We've just spoken to, to the first two guys and David and Javin. And it's like, I know we've... We find a little bit out about them, but what was it that interested you in them? And also bringing Joel Harrison back to the club, former residency player. What did you see in him? So I'll uh, I'll focus uh, on the first two um, because the other two are still eligible for school, and um, we're still gonna work uh, things out to see where where they fit. And Axel is gonna probably be able to speak a little bit more about them. 
when it comes to David and Javain, it was both to look at the best quality possible when we were it would it, when it was our turn to draft and also looking at some positional needs inside a roster. Um, David is a, a, a number nine or a forward that could play a boat uh, in a men type, only one man type of, uh, of role and also with uh, two uh, forwards. So he gives us that flexibility. Uh, he had a very good um, year at Akron. Uh, he's a left-footed forward that, you know, not only creates inside, but also creates outside the box. Uh, very active. Uh, he was very active for his team. Uh, as a Javain Brown is a, a player that's been called for the U20 and U23 of Jamaica, could be a, a, a player that could be also an option uh, at the Gold Cup for his country. Uh, so we think he, he, he has a very good upside. Now, how is that going to be translated at our level? Um, preseason and camp is going to is going to show that uh, an athletic player that is has played more. Um, and uh, as a center back in college, but we focused more at what he was able to bring with his national team as a right back, a very athletic type of player, um, aggressive defensively, still good on the ball. So we felt that both of them had the tools, not only to show good things in preseason, but also maybe bring us some depth in those positions that could be needed uh, when you look at the schedule also of the 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 the, the international uh, camps and what could happen with with Canada with the schedule uh, some of the players are not going to be with us and it's important that we're ready and we have depth and that's why we looked at them uh, in that way I was I was going to mention that we were on a, a call with Kava this morning down at the, the Canada camp and he kind of joked in a way but seriously that he might find that he's away more with Canada this year than he is actually spending time with the Whitecaps. With so many Canadian internationals in the squad, how concerned are you about that depth? And just in general, like how how's the recruiting going to, to kind of add to the squad and, and add to the, the depth at the moment? Yes, your question is it's very good and very valid because it is a fact. It's not something that is uh, uh, it's gonna maybe happen. No, it will happen for sure. Now with with COVID and what happened in 2020, it really looks like the schedule uh, could be very condensed with international games and whenever we'll know more from MLS to have an understanding there also. So this is one of the reasons also why we looked at David Egbo very carefully. Can he be a player that could give us that depth in a moment like that? Uh, so, uh, of course, that a lot of our decisions right now is thinking about that. We're very aware of what's going to happen in the schedule and we're trying to get ready for it. Your, your mind's always... Uh obviously always going you have a lot of downtime here waiting for this season to start is there something uh specific in your coaching mind that you're trying to get together uh, so that when the season starts you're ready to go or is just wondering how you how you're spending your time as a coach yeah. with, with no team right now i'm spending a lot of time in recruiting 
that means a lot of hours watching video and watching players that could be a possibility for us it's uh, every day is is games every day is watching uh, video of players that come into our radar and our possibility for us then it's an ongoing process with the staff on saying if we want to bring this team uh, to a to a next level and now we play and now we go about games are the players that were signing uh, guys that fit that and how can we use that them in our team so this is what our days have been about going back to the the two draft picks today are are they both going to occupy an international spot i know you've got three available at the moment do either of them actually have a green card now both of them are internationals but i'll tell you this uh there's a lot of work that we're doing to assess our international spots so i'll 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 uh I'll help you out. Don't go crazy with the international spots right now. That's good to know. Uh, one for Axel then just now as well. We've talked about this a, a couple of times on on calls that we've been on, but MLS is looking to start this reserve league. There's obviously the issues with border travel and everything for the first team, never mind a, a reserve team. How is the plans for the club going in terms of having somewhere for the development team, the under-23 guys, to actually play this coming season? Or just like everything else, is it all really just up in the air because of, of all the COVID situation? Yeah, I think it's only up to the air because of the COVID situation. Um, um, there are several options on the table and uh, we we have more or less discuss through every of them and, and are ready to to start with every single option but but of course we have to wait because um, nobody knows today when we can cross the border and teams can come in to play here and uh, so we we have even more to wait uh, what is possible with our academy players uh, we it's it's uh, I think everybody understands that there is no chance for us and we will not start to, to participate in the border crossing com uh, competition. If we if we cannot get the kids forward and backwards without a, a quarantine, um, as they also have to go to school and, and doing such things, so um, we we have several options. Uh, but if you would ask me how the next year will look like, we will not come to the optimal uh, scenario. But uh, we have uh, some uh, plans B, C, and D's that those guys get a few more minutes or more minutes than last year. Um, and uh, that's we're working on that. We have a good group together. Um, we have added one more team to the academy here in, in Vancouver. So we we will continue on our path to give um, uh, development players, young players, more minutes. Um, and we will respect and have to respect that the COVID still uh, impacts our plans. In regards to to, to that, then. Is it really a case when you're negotiating with players at the moment for coming here that you can't really pull the trigger until you know where the team might be playing? Are are there players that are holding off to see if you're going to be playing out of Canada or are there players that have said to you, look, if you're going to be based in the US this year, we're just simply not interested? Yeah, it is It is real issue if you're speaking with family fathers, uh, what we obviously also sometimes do and then... They have a wife and kids, and and uh, they ask how how that looks like. So I know from my own experience that you can be 
um, apart from them for months and and uh, it's not the ideal scenario so um, and uh, of course th those questions are coming up uh, how can my family cross the borders uh, are parents allowed to come to the country what is way difficult right now for example so if you if you uh, family father have a very small kid and you want your wife to come with you to Vancouver and then later you want that the parents of your wife come to support her with uh, the kids if you have to go to the US for example there's no real option right now for that so um, these are the questions we are really discussing in depth and and then uh, if the player says I don't feel comfortable to to leave my wife somewhere wherever Asia South America Africa or Europe then then he wants to know that before or even more his wife wants to know that and you know that decisions are also taken from wives at some point if there are uh, if there if there are, there are alternatives so um, yeah we we have really to deal with that and we just had an a very complicated case, uh, and I still hope uh, that we get everything fixed and can announce that. And um, but it, they, and if we if we come to this point, I'm maybe I or, or the player uh, are open to to explain you what issues we were fighting with at that point. If the league and the union come to an agreement in the soon or or whenever for for getting back into camp, how long is it then? From that agreement, do you have to then tell and notify the players and get them in to start pre-season? I think uh, there are there are clear um, rules about the, the length of the pre-season, but also the league uh, is not only looking at that. The league is also looking at uh, at uh, protocols to get the players in safe with flights and quarantine, not only for the Canadian teams, also to not bring all the players together in the first minute into a locker room and into showers. So there are a lot of things up up in the air. Uh, how we handle that? Uh, I would say the the how quickly we can call them in. It's it's not the. I think that's not really the biggest question because every player knows that that will happen at one day. Everybody is prepared for that. So I understand, and we all we all understand that it will not happen like tomorrow at nine. If you have players in different uh, continents on the world, but it's something that can happen really quick. I think it's more about then to do that again in a safe and secure way with the pandemic going on with commercial flights and, and quarantine rules from the league. MDS and Axel Schuster there. We're going to just unpack a little bit of what they said there. Now, no, no surprise, COVID, where the White Cats might be playing this year, all of these things are causing concern, they are causing issues, and players are unsure about coming because they don't know what's going to happen to their families, to their wives, if their wives don't speak English. But which which player has multiple wives? Um, I think that could be someone we maybe look at signing from RSL, but that that's maybe a, a whole other thing that we'll we'll go into. Personally, one wife is more than enough. I I feel no. But, <laughs> I don't actually. I agree with the one one wife. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I asked Axel there. Has it caused players to to not want to come? And yeah, basically, players are unsure. And I don't blame them for that. And I think that's totally understandable. 
it's out of the Whitecaps' hands. It is it's difficult, I feel, for them to negotiate. Yeah, I mean, num- number 10. We talked about it before that. We'll talk about it now. That is what we're needing badly to just... It's, it's the missing link it has been for years. But you look at the squad, and it's a capable squad. There's a lot of good pieces there. We just need this 10. A few other helps around it, a few other upgrades, but definitely that 10. Now, Schuster had indicated to the province at the start of the year when JJ Adams spoke to him that they basically had three first choices. It was like a 1A, a 1B, a 1C. And if they landed any one of them, they'd be delighted and it would fit their needs. Now, the rumours that were out there was 25-year-old Portuguese midfielder Chiquino from Benfica was the guy the the White Cats had been interested in. He was also linked to Torino in Serie A. A loan deal to Turkey looked to be on the cards. But now it looks like Benfica have taken him off the transfer market till at least the summer. So I think we can say that that one's dead in the water. If you've got interest from Torino, though, and Serie A, or even a loan deal in Turkey, would you want to come to MLS and to a Canadian club where, again... Who knows what's happening? No, and and Porto, uh, Porto, sorry, Benfica, yeah, Benfica is in the port. Well, the big three in Portugal have done a really good job at at bringing on players uh, from Portugal, but also from South America and bringing players through. That they, they, that's it's kind of like you know if uh, it's one of those like first stops in Europe for for players from South America especially Brazil obviously just like Belgium tends to be a, a hot yeah. spot for for players coming from Africa like as a first port of uh, first place they play and so they've done really well at this and they um they do pretty good at scouting and all this kind of stuff i know uh, the one thing i know about benfica in terms of playmaker and 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 midfielders who can play a significant role for the team they have this guy named Thiago Dantes that they let go on loan to Bayern, second team this year, with an option to buy, which is a, a really low number compared to what he was at before. So I know that they have they have sort of a you know, they have a lineup of capable players coming through who can impact their midfield. So it's interesting to see that um Cinquino is not uh uh might might not they might keep him. Um they might Yeah, at least to the summer, because maybe they feel they just need a little bit of depth there. But yeah. the the new name that came out there this weekend, uh, according to Portuguese outlets, outlet, I'm going to murder this, Cis Noticias. Anyway, a Portuguese outlet, let's go with that. It's a, another 25-year-old from Porto this time, Otavio, he's Brazilian. Now, 17 goals, 45 assists in 166 appearances for Porto, He's valued on transfer market at just shy of $20 million. The Whitecaps have said to have offered him a $5 million signing on fee, $2 million a year salary. And then there was some confusion whether that offer was for a period of time and it's now lapsed or if he turned them down or whether that offer was still on the table. I don't know, but it's, it's good to see that the link with like a quality player like that, I don't watch Portuguese football. I don't watch a lot of Champions League football. I'm not familiar with him. But looking at his stats, looking at some of his highlights, he's a quality player. 
And the rumours came out in Portuguese media for both of these guys. So it doesn't look like it's in the past the Whitecaps have maybe been, folk have been suspicious that they've put names out there just to show, oh, look, we're looking at this, we're looking at that or whatever. This is coming from the Portuguese end. So I don't think that there's smoke without fire here. That, if that's the quality of player that they're looking at and being linked with, that's positive. Yeah, you know, it is... They are taking it is they've taken it to another level, right? This isn't you know and they Bobby have Leonard, to. yeah. This isn't Bobby Leonard Uzi coming out after the fact saying, yeah, yeah, we were gonna get Didier Drogba. <laughs> he just wanted to go to Montreal instead, you know, which is something he should have never said at the time he said it, uh, in my opinion. But so yeah, this is a different level in terms of player they're being actually linked with um, by seemingly reliable sources. Um, so that's encouraging, but the bottom the bottom line is still the bottom line, and they're going to be judged on what they actually bring in, what they actually get done, and how that player performs. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with you. It's encouraging, um, but it's you know, it it's like your I don't know, it's like your your parents or whatever calling you from the the grocery store saying they're looking at all this, they're looking at all these options for dinner, and you hear all these things. You're like, oh, those all sound delicious. But it's what your parents come home with for you for you to eat that is you know the the most you know gonna actually matter and you're actually gonna- oh yeah especially my mum with Alzheimer God knows what she'll come home with will she even remember calling me in the first place I'd it's all a puzzle anyways maybe that's not the greatest analogy but you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah now Glass City tweeted out that this is I don't know where he got this from actually but he says this is what's on the table for Otavio versus what he's asking for. So Porto, 2 million euros per season and 25% of his next transfer fee. Milan, oh, I should mention Milan are apparently interested in him as well. They're prepared to pay him 2 million euros per season and a 1.5 million euro signing bonus. Whitecaps are offering 1.6 million per season, but a 4.1 million signing bonus. So give him the cash in the pocket now. Otavio, though, seems to be wanting €3 million Euros a year and a $6 million signing bonus. And this is all after a almost $20 million transfer fee? I don't think so. No, no, he's valued on transfer market yeah. at 20 So I, I don't know what it is. Like he's out of contract in the summer. Oh, so this is, okay, this is, he can, he, this is a free transfer now. Yeah, okay. but well, potentially, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure... Port no, because no, there's no way if he's out if he's free in the summer, no one's paying him for that much money for him in January. So mm. this is to sign a pre-contract so when his deal is done, he's he yeah, he knows where he's going next. But I mean, it at one point on Saturday night it looked like it was already dead in the water because it looked like the offer had expired or he'd turned them down. But now it seems to be that the offer is still there. We have seen that though in the past that the White Cats have left offers on the table. There was the Korean guy that I can't remember who it was that they were interested in. And then, I, again, it falls down to, if you've got a club like Milan interested in you, it's it's tempting because you're staying in Europe. I guess the Whitecaps are hoping that their tempting thing is give you all this cash in your pocket just now. That's always risky with a player that's never played over here before. I mean, his highlight reel makes him look outstanding, but anyone's highlight reel could make him look like that. He does have the potential, though, to be one of the best players in MLS. And that's not even just exaggeration. He looks that good. 
it's a mouth-watering idea of having, say, Cavallini up front and Saicedo on one wing and I've forgotten already, or Dahomey on the on the other. That is an exciting front four. And then just to add to the rumours as well, to make things a bit more exciting, it's been reported in Serbia that the Whitecaps are in talks to sign 23-year-old Serbian midfielder Nemanja Glavcic. Um, he's looks to be with the same agency uh, as Owusu and Ranko. Hmm. So what what what, what uh, type of midfielder is he? I think he's a central midfielder, stroke defensive midfielder. Okay. I think you'll like be looking eight? at him and Awusu or him and Bikel as your kind of midfield tandem. Okay. I don't know too much about him. I haven't really had a, a chance to. If you, to if delve you... too much into into what he's doing, central midfield is what he's under with, with transfer market. Who? Uh, so yeah, if if uh, if he does come from the same agency, it'll be interesting to see if this if that collective group of people jump on the Whitecaps are dealing with that one agent multiple times <laughs> for players who have been okay but not like they haven't they have moved the needle. Yeah, he's been with Partizan Belgrade before, and he's also played in a couple of other like top level teams in, in Serbia. I know nothing about him. That was just a, another one of the the rumours that had been put out there by Glass City that, that he'd found being reported in Serbia thing. But I mean it it's promising that we're looking at this. It's just concerning that other teams are making these additions and we're still waiting to do that. Th- there is no massive rush. We've got to say that though as well. I'd rather we get the right player and get them on the right deal because we don't know when the season's starting. And the the transfer market's open here for a long time. If the season starts in March, yeah, maybe there's a little bit more of a, of a rush. If it's not going to start till May, just take your time because who knows who will then be available in May. Well, Michael, we know the season's not starting at the beginning of March, that's for sure, because there's a six six week time frame that the players yeah. have to have between reporting and the first game. So I still think we're definitely not at me, the first but... weekend of March. No, so I mean we'll, we'll see what happens on that. But it's it's another it's it's going back to this thing. There's very little out there that anything that comes out, everyone's jumping on it. We're all like looking and becoming experts on all these guys that we've never heard of before and watching YouTube highlight reels. But some other stuff that did come out of the the presser that I, I didn't put in the audio there. Axel confirmed that Andy Rose is going to be re-signing in some form. He didn't exactly say how. Does make me think he's going to get possibly, say, the reserve team coaching job or something like that and be maybe a backup squad player. I think he's going to be around the club in some kind of coaching capacity. Um, Milinkovic is not coming back. No matter what, he's just not going to come back. I guess if they have to end up buying out, they're going to do that. I, I do have concerns right now about some of our depth positions because of players being away with Canada. And that's what we're going to look at now in the next part. And we're going to be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Derek Cornelius and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is our Artist of the Month for January, English band Sleaford Mods with a song Tweet, Tweet, Tweet. Because that's basically where we're getting all our transfer rumours just now from Twitter. It's the best place to get them and it's fun. That was from their 2014 album Divide and Exit. You can also get it on their 2020 kind of greatest hits compilation, All That Glue. We're going to kind of turn our attention in this part to the wacky world of international football. Now, I, I touched on it a little bit already. It's been great to see the Whitecaps signing all this Canadian talent. The big downside with that is when the international team's playing, they're away with that team. If you're in a league that honours all the FIFA dates, not so much of an issue. But in these weird times, you've also got a lot of camps and tournaments and other stuff that's outside the FIFA window, no matter anything else. You've also got an epidemic that means that European-based players aren't necessarily coming over to take part in games for Canada and stuff as well. So the Canadian Whitecaps guys are going to be more in demand than before. So there was five of them away with Canada at this camp that's just wrapped up in Florida. Cava, Derek Cornelius, Theo Bear, Guti and Maxime Cripeau. They all took part in the camp. They they didn't really get to get the kind of games that they were wanting. They were hoping to play the US on Saturday, but it was a COVID scare in the Canada camp where there's four kind of inconclusive results that saw them decide it maybe wasn't safe for this game to go ahead. So instead, there's been two intra-squad games with the more experienced guys taking on the more inexperienced younger guys. Perhaps worryingly, the younger inexperienced guys won both of those games 1-0. From a Whitecaps point of view, though, fantastic. Theo Bear scored in the first game, netting a rebound after Maxime Cripeau had saved a penalty. And then in the game that was just played, the only goal of the game, Derek Cornelius got that one. So looking good from that regard. Now, you can say the young guys are going to be hungrier because they're wanting to kind of impress John Herdman and they really kind of want to get in the senior team mix. So I've seen a few folk kind of concerned by that. I I don't think there's any real concern. It's a camp. It's... I'd be more surprised if the young guys hadn't been up for it and were trying to push the senior guys. Yeah, and remember, this is not the full Canada team. That, right? that like, as well, yeah. That, that's the that's the bigger thing. I mean, the, I agree with you. That this this is a concern in both in squad building and in uh, well, squad building, and then also how you how MDS chooses to go about um, 
setting up his his squad and his rotation and stuff like it is it is a big uh it is a big deal because there is uh at least a possibility like i don't when it comes to canada call-ups i can't see all five of these guys going every time for every match no but still there could be significant ones especially cavallini well and like so- let, let's look at what's coming up this year yeah, yeah so for the senior team you've got two world cup qualifiers in march should be four in June, assuming we, we win our group and assuming all these games go ahead, we have that big caveat. Then you've got the Gold Cup in July. Then there'll be more World Cup qualifying, assuming we go through the first phase in September, October and November. And then factor in possibly the Olympic qualifiers. We'll come to that in a bit. And that's a busy, busy calendar. It, it, it's a concern. Although if you look at what the Whitecaps' first team might be and who the starters are really going to be, I think you might only really be losing Kava and Maxime Cripeau. I'm not sure that the other guys are necessarily going to be the starters. Yeah, that, 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 and that's true. And that's where MDS needs to really really figure this out and know know what he what he wants to do. Obviously, then there's things like injuries and suspensions, play roles and all this too. Yeah. And like you said, the match is going ahead. I just want to clarify something, Michael. Uh, you mentioned the potential Canada games in, in November. I, I don't think the Whitecaps have to worry about that. Well, we don't know when the season might go on to. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, hey, I'm optimistic with every team making the playoffs this year. Wait, what? I, I don't know. That might happen. I was, oh. I was just a joke. It's, oh, yeah. That might be part of the new CBA. Every team makes the playoff. You all you get, get a, a car. And you get a playoff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. That's, again, that would be too many games. It'll be every team bar two, and we'll be one of those two that don't make exactly. it. Exactly. Or I, I, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, the only way that happens is they restructure it, and I don't think they're planning on doing that. But, um, no, they, they, do, they do need to be really careful. Um, yeah. The biggest I mean, it's thing always is- been my concern with, with signing like top quality Canadians because I do put club above country as we've discussed before. Even if it was Scotland, I'd still be putting club before country. Yeah, I put club before country. I I want Canada to do well. Yeah, I put club before country, but uh, I put Canada before the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, I I know. But um, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a concern, and then you could be losing. I think, really, though, the only other guy you might be losing is is Ali to to international duty, depending on on who we bring in. And I guess you could use lose Ranko to Serbia if he starts doing really well. The the one thing you mentioned there, the thing that I'm or in some not most excited, but one of the things I'm I'm excited to see their approach is for Canada is did the the Olympic the Olympic thing did it not did Konkanaf not give give dates now. Yes, it's taking place in March, the Olympic qualifiers. In Mexico? In Mexico, Guadalajara, eight countries in a bubble environment. So that, no matter what, should go ahead. The chances of you getting European players to come over for that, I would think, is nil. So you're going to be having a domestic-based squad. That's unfortunate. Because I'm pretty sure it's going to be outside a FIFA window. But... Again, with quarantine and stuff, there was caveats that if a player had to quarantine for a long period of time after being away, clubs didn't have to release them. Right. So, I mean, there's all that as well. Whether the Olympics are even going to go ahead. Because there was all that stuff this week. One one day it was, then it wasn't, then it was again, then I don't know. Yeah, where did it land? Because I thought I heard it was off. 
Right now, according to Sebastian Cole, Lord Cole, who's on the International Olympic Committee, they expect it to go ahead, but the expectation is there won't be fans there. The, the population of Japan, I think we touched on this in last week's show, yeah. the poll there did not want it to go ahead. No. But if it doesn't go ahead this year, they feel they can't put it on next year and they can't postpone the the next two Olympics by a year because there's too much other stuff going on. So it's basically have it this year or you're not having the Olympics. And then Japan would get like the next open date. 2032 they're looking at, they would maybe get. And there's people in politics in Japan that don't want it to go ahead. But the Mm. prime minister apparently came out and said he wants it to go ahead. Mm. I still think it's too early to even have a decision one way or the other because everything could suddenly get better vaccine travel-wise come June. We honestly don't know. It all depends on vaccine productions. But likewise, things could be delayed and nothing's better. Is it supposed to be end of July, beginning of August, or just all August? I don't know. I think it could be end of July that it kicks off. But... Yeah, I mean, that's all up in the air. So we don't really know what's happening with that. Everything is up in the air because it still seems a little bit far-fetched for the World Cup qualifiers. We'll get to that in a sec. I want to play a little bit of audio first from Lucas Cavallini. We got a chance to chat with Cava down in the camp in Florida on Thursday. So I'm going to bring you just a little bit of select audio from that just now. Just Cava chatting about all things Canada. Um, as you said, a lot of new faces. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the young talent to, to showcase their their abilities, their their willingness to to be a part of this national team, to to, to show that they're that they're able to to understand what 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 the national team has to bring and to understand how John wants us to 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 perform. And uh, I mean, this is a good opportunity. It's a good window for them uh, being all basically local players uh some european players but just so they get a good sense of how canada soccer is evolving and that we're we're no longer a joke and we're here to 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 you know reach our objectives and and you know have have good good results and hopefully qualify for a world cup um i just wanted to ask you uh about the importance of of having homegrown talent uh, talent that's playing in the MLS, playing in the CPL, playing in, in, in leagues around here as opposed to maybe scattered all over the world. Um, how important is it to, to kind of get that homegrown talent and make that kind of the core of this of this uh, national team? I mean, obviously, it's always better to maybe learn abroad, you know, still Canada's it's developing. It's still developing. It's a developing country and with soccer players playing in the MLS. I mean, Things are getting are getting better. Uh, it's it's all a process, right? But but I mean, it's good for the young players to have an opportunity to become professional footballers. Uh, I know my generation was different. I mean, we 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 were forced to go abroad in order to 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 pursue uh, our dreams, uh, make the best out of our careers. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm happy that now there's more opportunities for young players, local players, to to they don't have to, to stay home, I mean, stay close to home and uh, try to chase their dreams. 
Now, I also wanted to ask you about this year. It's such an important year um, for the Canadian men's soccer program with so many things coming up. World Cup qualifying, Olympic qualifying, the Gold Cup. You're going to get a chance to play a lot of games. I guess how important is it to kind of build from that? Because Canada doesn't usually get a chance to play a lot of games in a year. And now this year, it seems like you're going to get a chance to be together for a lot longer than you guys usually are during a year. Yeah, I mean, this year is crucial for us. If we if you really want to make it to the big list, if we really want to make, make it to the World Cup, if we want to um, win a Gold Cup, I mean, this year is crucial for us. Uh, I think we're going to be more presenting our national team than we will club at club level. So, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, guys need to step up their game. Uh, there's going to be a lot of international games, and, and we have to be ready. We have to be competitive, and we have to be ready for each game. I mean... Each game is going to be tough, but, you know, we, we're going to be together a lot. So it's going to help us adapt quicker and uh, be ready for to compete with anybody. Last year uh, w- with the Caps, uh, you didn't go back to the MLS's back tournament because of uh, the COVID concerns. Considering the, the really busy schedule ahead for Canada, what are your thoughts on all the travel that you, you might have to do in places where their protocols aren't as, as stringent as, say, the CSA has in place for your, your camp in uh, Orlando. I mean, nowadays, I think they, they've uh, things have gotten, I mean, I mean, COVID-wise, uh, obviously, cases are, are worse. But, you know, they've, they've tried to manage, they tried to manage these certain obstacles. And, uh, I mean, we just got to take it day by day and see, see what happens. I mean, it is what it is nowadays. So we, we just got to. We just got to cope with COVID and get around these things like we, we've been doing with this camp and and so and so on. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how the year unfolds. Right. Has, has your attitude changed at all from uh, where it was last year in, in March? Uh, with the experience of, of traveling, all that stuff, you just one has to be careful, always has to take care of themselves. You got to be professional. I mean, if you take care of yourself, then obviously you have a good chance of being health, staying healthy, you know. We don't know right now like when MLS is going to be back. He kind of touched on it there. With so much uncertainty as to what does lie in store this year, how do you keep mentally focused and at the level that you're going to need to be? Because right now, it could be that these games that's coming up in March might be the first time that you're actually playing a, a competitive game this year. And what's your gut feeling on those games? Do you think that they will go ahead in March? Um, yeah, personally, I, I don't know. I mean, as of now, as of today, the games are, are still going on for, for the March camp. And and hopefully, I mean, if, if there's so much uncertainty in the air of when we're going to start even preseason with the MLS, at least maybe we can get the boys together for another national team camp before the, the March the March camp. And, you know, just stay focused, be ready, be competitive, be fit. I mean, that's going to be the main goal right now because, I mean, this year is, is going to be a big year for us. And especially at international level. Um, I mean, we have to be re- ready for whatever. I think guys have to push themselves now more than ever because this is this is do or die. And uh, and, and no matter what, I mean, if, if guys are in preseason or not in preseason, we just have to try and maybe stick together. Maybe, as I said, get a camp going before the March game and, and we got to be ready. Obviously, it's a younger group, this camp. But uh, there's still a, quite a few, you know, veterans, regular first team players like yourself. How much emphasis has 
John uh, worked on in, in training to prepare for the, those March games with first teamers like yourself? Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, it's 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 a big window for the newer guys just to start to understand what what he expects from from the team, and uh, you know, it's just um, you know, just start of for us veterans or us guys that are usually on the team. Um, it's just like an, an like a review for us. So um, I know the last time we've been together, it's been for a year, and things are gonna get tough. But it's honestly. Uh, we usually get together, have meets, Zoom meets uh, during the year. So just to touch base on where we left off. And uh, I mean, we know we know our roles here on the national team. And uh, I mean, all that's missing is that we get the full team together and and and, and keep uh, reviewing what on what we left off in. Um, I think it's going to be a really big year for all of us. Uh, and and obviously the European guys are going to help us a lot just because they've been in season they haven't stopped and it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a better for them to to come into this camp than us of course but you know then again we have to be ready and be be on our toes and stay competitive like they've been they, like they have been doing of course on this group where there's so many younger players how are you kind of approaching that role of being a veteran guy that guys are looking up to for advice and mentorship. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. It's good that I get questioned a lot of, of like, of, of my insights, of, of advice I can give to the younger guys. Like, I have with, uh, let's say, Theo Bear. Theo Bear is, we talk a lot, especially in the White Cups. Uh, he's a young guy. He's in this camp as well. And he's, 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 uh, he's in the process as, as well as, as to eager to, to learn more and uh, take advice from older guys such as myself. Um, and, you know, just always try to help motivate them, help uh, make them a better player and things like from my experience that I can help them with. So it's, it's honestly a good feeling sometimes. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby! So Lucas Cavallini there, talking all things Canada, Canadian national team, just his excitement for, for the year and what the future holds in store for, for this young group of talent. And, I mean, he was partly joking but partly serious and asked MDS about this. He feels he's likely to be away more with Canada than actually spending time with the Whitecaps if everything goes ahead. And you're looking at that and you're thinking... He's right, because you've got these World Cup qualifiers, you've got the Gold Cup, you've got training camps, everything that goes with that, but then you've also got a guy that's your designated player, your top striker, missing for maybe half the season? That's well, an incredible situation to find yourself in. Well, he missed, what, like at least, a, like it felt like a third of the season, at least with yeah. um, not and no MLS's back in suspension last year. <laughs> True. I mean, it's a big F that the the March games go ahead for me because as things stand, they're at home to Bermuda on March 25th. Now, I think we can safely say if that goes ahead, Bermuda is not going to be travelling into Canada. So the only way that home game's going ahead is if they play it somewhere like Florida. I, I can't see Canada hosting a, a game because you'd be needing Bermuda to fly in and quarantine beforehand. Right. Yeah. But unless that dramatically changes all of a sudden, I can't see that going ahead in Canadian soil. 
but then they're away to the Cayman Islands three days later, which would have been a fantastic trip for us at AFTN. We could go and visit our money and all the offshore accounts that we've got, <laughs> and it would just have been it would have been great. But like in all seriousness, this group would have been a great holiday for the mm. Voyagers to go to any of the games that we've got, because, I mean, you're away to Aruba in June. Whoosh. I mean, what a fantastic trip that would have been. I, I genuinely would have fancied going to one of those games just yeah. as a little trip. It would have just been a, a, a magnificent thing. I I can't see the March ones going ahead, but if they do go ahead, you're in the situation that the MLS guys might not have kicked a ball in anger in MLS and then they're going to play a really, really important couple of games in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and that's one of the ways that what the camp that just happened and if this does, these games do take place before the MLS season, it could, in essence, help the Whitecaps for part of the season in terms of getting players, you know, more training and match fit. Yeah, um, they, they'd surely have to have another big camp though before those two if MLS doesn't start they have to have a camp before those two games to get the players up to speed yeah I don't know if I'd call it a camp but yeah they might need to be in a few days earlier or a week earlier or something I mean the, depending the, on quarantine and where yeah, they're doing it and all there's that. a bit I don't think I put it in the Kava audio there but Kava says this camp has really helped him get up to match sharpness so when he gets into the Whitecaps camp he feels he's going to have a step ahead of a lot of the other players in MLS because he's had this camp under his belt. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, that only helps if MLS gets underway in March. If it doesn't, then it maybe doesn't help that much, but it's very valid. You're then looking, June has, June 5th, we're away to Aruba, then at home to Suriname three days later, then assuming we win our group, you're playing the Group E winner, which is probably Haiti, on June 12th and June 15th. So that's four games kicking off at June that I'm pretty sure the Whitecaps are going to have matches in June. And especially if the season starts late, we're definitely probably going to have two games a week at that point. It's all going to get a little bit messy. I mean, what's, I asked, we'll hear from Jonathan Asario in a bit, I asked him this, I asked Kava this. What's your gut feeling about these games in March? Do you think they would be going ahead? I say no. I mean, in this moment right here, right now, it's hard to see them happening. Um, or I think the two things that are going to happen. One is um, they don't happen. Or two, CONCACAF knows that these games are not going to have the best players available, but they have to force them to go through anyways. And so they happen with like B or C squads. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing that would make sense is to have a bubble thing in Florida again, and every single country in a group flies into there. Logistically, that's a bit of a nightmare. It's also very expensive. Then you look at a con- like countries like Bermuda and Aruba. Are they going to just think to themselves, "What? What's the point?" It's like we're not going to win these games. Should we be shelling out all this money at a time like this? So unless Concacaf pay for it all, I I don't know. You've got players flying in from wherever and, as you say, B and C squads. Yeah, the financial part of this is is significant, but um, I don't think we'll... I don't know if we'll get told how that, how that breaks down, whether it's, yeah, 
the Federation's paying for it or, or CONCACAF covering it. But you know CONCACAF wants to get it done as safely and, uh, and as much as possible so yeah. that they can ideally continue to move the ball forward for World Cup qualifying and all the other things they have going on. The, the thing that makes me also think the March things might not go ahead is the CONCACAF Champions League that was meant to kick off in February is now pushed back to April. Which also gives Forge and TFC a lot more time to try and finally get this game in beforehand. But the fact that that's going ahead in April and not March as well makes you think, okay, yeah. they're thinking March might not the, be good. The other thing is, like, I don't know about you, Michael, but I would, I don't know how this is going to work out for MLS teams and their schedule or whatever, but I would much rather see the Gold Cup gone this year and these Olympic qualifying games happening over the summer than having a Gold Cup because the Gold Cup. Uh, is not as important and especially it's to me it's devalued with no um no confederations cup anymore like yeah. it, and it, with qatar being in it and there's that yeah so there's lots of reasons why that it would be fine if that went away but. yeah i've never been that excited by the gold cup but i think it's primarily because it's usually just the u.s and mexico that walk away with it so it's just it doesn't hold my interest. No, but like for me, honestly, competitive com competition-wise, if there's three things, if there's World Cup qualifying and um, Gold Cup and Olympic qualifying, of those three, the one that is the least important is obviously Gold Cup. Yeah, to me. but we, we've talked before how important Olympics is for exposure and experience oh, yeah. for these young guys, and totally. like any of these under twenty, like if Canada can get to the Olympics on the men's side, because obviously it's. It's just a given almost at the moment on the on the women's side, but on the men's side to get some of these guys that experience and to play against some of the top players in the world, and I think you can have a couple of overage players and stuff in as well. I mean, what that would then do for this group of players for the twenty twenty six World Cup, it would be immense. But talking of such things and golden age and young players and stuff, I want to play a little bit of audio now from another senior. He's 28 now, player in the Canadian camp. Jonathan Asario from TFC, good friend of Cava. Here's a little bit of what he had to, to tell us when he spoke to media on Wednesday. Not everybody is in this January camp because uh, it's not a FIFA window, as you know. Uh, but a lot of young talent, uh, some making their first appearance in Canadian colours are there. Could you give us uh, overall your sense of, of the, the young talent that you've seen uh, that could uh, feature both in our Olympic and senior team? Yeah, there's a lot of guys here that, uh, you know, will be available for, for either team. Um, I, I know some, some young players are actually probably making their case of, of being full-time with the with the men's and uh, it's great to see there's a lot there's new faces faces that I'm familiar seeing at Toronto C um, and all are very talented all are very good players um, the, the the development of young players keeps improving in this country uh, I know um, you know every year there's just more and more players and and the, the standard that they're coming in the level that they're they're coming into camp with is it's probably much higher at, at which, you know, it, of the players in the past. Um, and that just, you know, goes a long way with showing how much Canada soccer and, and, its, and its youth development has come in, in the last uh, years. Um, 
yeah, very exciting players. Very, very exciting players. Uh, players that um, belong belong on the pitch with the veteran players and all you know the better players, and and they're showing that in trainings every day. And um, yeah, I think the the association um, should be very very excited about this Olympic qualifier and, and also for 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 the future that, 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 that is to come and the near future as well. I think these young players are making a case, like I said, to, 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 to be a part of the, the full men's team as well. I wanted to ask you about World Cup qualifying. I, I know this, if anything came out of this pandemic is the fact that you guys are going to be able to qualify on the field. I know it's going to be a long road, but it, you don't have to worry about qualifying points. You don't have to worry about things like that. Um, can you just give me a thought on the World Cup qualifying process now that you guys you will be able to decide it on the field and you don't have to worry about ranking points or anything like that going forward? Yeah, of course. I think it's the, the it's the right way of doing things. It's the, it's the fair way of doing it. Um, I think the point process was a little bit complicated and, uh, and a little bit unfair in a sense. Um, I, I think always, you know, these you know things should be earned on the field. Uh, you know, being being able to qualify for tournaments and and things like that, everything should be decided on the field because that's you know that's the way the game is. And um, so you know, obviously we're happy. We're happy with the the change and everything. Uh, you know, uh, it, it is a long it's a long road. We have we have a long road, but I think uh, we 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 like that. We like that we're getting more games for ourselves and and. and come together as a team and, and, and grow as a team and, and get better, um, you know, as we go into the more and more important games and uh, with our eyes, obviously, um, you know, qualifying each stage. And um, so, yeah, for me, of course, it, it just makes sense. It's better for everybody, not only us, but for, I think, the other nations as well. And it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. You know, these, these nations... I'll have, a, I'll have a chance and we're going to have to be going into places that are very hard to play in. And But we are prepared for that. We are aware of, 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 of the path that it takes to make the World Cup. And yeah, we're just excited to, to, to get going. Neil asked you about young players and, and, you know, there are like, you're right, there's just an incredible pool of young players. Um, that makes me think about you and, and, and Mark Anthony and some of the veteran players on this team. You're not old by any stretch, but I'm just curious with you and, and, and Mark Anthony and some of the veterans on this team, you know, if Atiba maybe doesn't come back, what's kind of your message or your goal or, or the thing that you want to stress to these young players as you kind of take on more of a leadership role through 2021? Uh, yeah. Um, good question I, I think you know we're just we're, we're trying to instill that confidence in them that you know um what we're building here in Canada is something that you know maybe hasn't really been done we're trying to not only set ourselves for um you know uh near future the nation that is to be reckoned with in the world of football for years to come. And I think what I would stress to them is that it's, it's a long road, but there's no better day than today to, to start working towards that. And, you know, I, I just don't want these, 
young players to to waste any days. Um, I think they should strive to be on the men's team right now. Um, I think they should, you know, obviously with a lot of them are going to have their eyes on the Olympic qualifying and things like that, but which they should. But I think also they need to try and work every time they have a chance to to perform in front of the coach John. Um, they have to try and show him that they're ready to play on the men's team now and to try and, you know, um, put yourself in a situation that you're going to be remembered for a long time. And so that's what I was stressed. Um, I think for us too, you know, uh, these games, it's big opportunities for them uh, to be able to be a part of, you know, such a, you know, amazing group of, of young players in Canada um, coming up. So there's a lot of hype, I think, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure with that, and I, I do want them to be prepared for that. But that pressure is good. I think that pressure is good. That pressure is something that they should embrace and 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 want to invite. And um, yeah, I think they should be excited. So for them, I just want to stress that you know it's going to be a long road, but there's you know there's no better day to start working for that than 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 today. This year, the, the footballing calendar, it looks just packed on an international level, also at, at club level as well. But there's also so many unknowns still at the moment. As a player, how do you keep yourself in the right mental mindset? Because we could even be looking that the games that come up for Canada might happen before the MLS season kicks off. And what, what is your gut telling you? Do you feel that these games are going to go ahead in March? Uh, yeah, I mean, my gut feeling is they will, uh, they will find a way to, to make it work. Um, and, um, for me, I'm already, my mind is prepared for that. My mind is set on that. And should anything change, then I will adapt to that. I think as a player in this day, in this, uh, during these times, you have to be prepared for everything and, you know, prepared to be able to play a 90 minute game tomorrow at any time and so uh yeah the uncertainty is tough it's tough on, on the mind uh and and stuff mentally but you know as professionals you have to be ready no matter what and i think um you know those things you can't control all you control is all you can control is um you know you being fit and ready and doing all the things that you can do so that when the time comes you're ready to perform for, for, for Canada and your club. And so, yeah, for me, it's just about always being ready, always being motivated. You know, the motivation is to make the World Cup, and I will always think about that every day. So that will that's going to keep me going every day, even not knowing when these games will happen or if they'll happen. For me, as far as I know, there will be games in March, and and myself and, 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 and everybody else, I think, will, will definitely be ready for that debut for the senior team some eight years ago in 2013 is it possible to kind of sum up the difference in the teams between you walking in the door then and uh, when you did for this January camp I, I imagine it's totally different uh, group and 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 vibe for sure uh, very different from the group that I uh, I came into uh, it was it was in March March uh, 2013 um much different much more competitive uh a lot of players you know playing at good clubs playing at a high level 
and playing at the clubs regularly, I think, I think that's a huge difference. I think before um, we had a lot of players that would come in, they were coming in because, um, you know, obviously they had a club and maybe they're at a good club or whatever, but they weren't playing regularly, but the pool wasn't that big uh, eight years ago as it is now and, and the competitiveness that, now that it is to get into uh, the national team. Um, it's tough and I love it. I love it. I wish it was like this eight years ago, to be honest. Um, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the way it is now. I'm very excited. Um, you know, the, the, the development, like I've said, has, has come a long way in this country and it shows every time, every January camp. It, it gets better. I'm, I'm part of a better team in January. Uh, this team is better than the team that I was a part of last January. And last January was better than the team bef the January before that. So it's great. It's great to see. Uh, I, I, was, I think I was mentioning that actually with the, a few of the guys. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see and, and, and super exciting to, to, to be a part of as well. Uh, kind of the same lines of the talent of, the, of this country is producing now. It just it, it seems to have uh, you know with yourself and a lot of the younger players coming up. It seems to be kind of a golden generation of talent. Is it important to kind of make the most of this talent moving forward and, and trying to get this country in the Olympics, trying to get this country in the World Cup, trying to be competitive in the Gold Cup? It, it, how important is it to have success with this amount of talent on the team right now? Yeah, it's important. I mean. It, it, I think you can only call it a, a golden generation. You know, you call these generations a golden generation based on their results and based on what they accomplish. And, and so, yes, we have a lot of talent, but it's only a golden ge generation if we, you know, if we qualify for Olympics, if we do well in the Olympics, if we qualify for the World Cup, do well in the World Cup, if we do well in the Gold Cup, fight to win the Gold Cup. I think then at that point you can call it the golden generation. We're still, you know, we're still trying to find our our, our make an, an imprint in, in, in world football and in Concaf and in, in the world. Um, we're still developing as a team. Uh, we have now the talent there, so of course we can't waste it. We know this. We're we're, we're well aware of this, but uh, we're more excited about it than anything. Um, it's not really a pressure to 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 get results. It's more of a excitement that these things are possible now. These things are are not out of reach, and, and they're kind of expectations. That that's I think I think that's what we're trying to grow Canada to to become is to to become a a, a country in football that that's expected to be at the World Cup every four years, a country that's expected to fight for the Gold Cup every every time. Uh, a country that's fighting to to go to the Olympics every time, country to have, it comes with actually accomplishing those things. So, yeah, th this year is is huge for that. I think, and and um, I think once we start accomplishing those things, then you know we can really we can recognize this maybe as a as a golden generation, or start to see it as as a norm, which is I think which should be the the objective is now all this talent coming up. We want it to become a norm and not really seen as, oh, this is going to be the golden generation of Canada. More, more like we want it to be seen as this is what Canada produces. This is, this is Canada soccer on the world stage. So there's a long way to go, but it, it's, uh, it's definitely now uh, people can see it now. And, 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 and like, uh, I keep saying it, it's super exciting. Uh, Jonathan, just to kind of 
I guess, follow on from something Neil asked a, a couple of minutes ago, going back to what the squad was like when you first came into it and what it is now, the whole kind of footballing landscape in Canada has also changed considerably since you made your debut from Canada all those years ago. When you look at the rise of TFC, there's a league now in Canada, there's Canadian players playing at the top level overseas. How do you look back at that growth and what do you think, I mean folk talk about the golden generation, what do you think has led to that happening at this point? Well, I think obviously it's the putting the right people in place to, to make those changes, to, to strive to, to, uh, to make the, the necessary uh, decisions on, on how and what needs to be done. Um, you know, is people, you know, now getting that experience to see how it is overseas in, in, in Europe and South America and see what, um, what are the common denominators of, of, of those countries that make them so successful. And I think Canada is now gaining knowledge of, of how it works, uh, of the development from, from youth, from the grassroots up to, to, to the men's. Um, so now we have that knowledge of how, you know, how to do it, I think, um, and what needs to be done and how these players improve. Um, now we have a, a, a league, we have a league of our own. So there's more opportunities for kids now. Uh, I think there's more opportunities for more players to, to be playing professionally and be in a professional environment and to, to improve every day. You know, those things weren't available. Those resources weren't available. Uh, eight years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and it's normal. I think we're a little bit late. Uh, Canada is a, a young country when it comes to world football. We're very young, very, very young. Um, you know, we're a little bit behind the other countries as far as experience and things like that. But we are gaining knowledge every day, sending coaches to, to do licenses overseas and things like that. So things are done, are being done the right way in the world. And I think helping this country grow and um, even the mentality, the mentality of the, of the country is changing and the players, coaches, everywhere. All those things are helping the country develop, I think. And, and, and you know, as long as we keep on this path, there's, you know, the sky's the limit for, for Canada soccer because there is a lot of talent in this country, a lot of talent. And, and so we need to find a way to, to, to allow as much talent as possible to grow to, to, to its potential. Jonathan Osorio there. A lot of good stuff from him. I, I used a lot of his presser there because he, he spoke about a lot of good things. He feels the sky is the limit for Canada. There's a lot of potential. Everyone's talking about this being a golden generation, but it's only that golden generation, he says, if they actually go and do it on the pitch and get results. Otherwise, it's just another group of potential and talented players that haven't then lived up to what's expected of them. Yes, that's true in one sense. Um, the thing that's the thing that's different about this about this group is that the, the collectively they might not achieve, but individually both they're achieving on the pitch and they're achieving in the transfer market. So yeah, um, you hope yeah. they keep going in those those ways, even if 
somehow they don't click for 2022 although obviously i hope they click for 2022 and the olympics as well yeah but a lot of good stuff there from from jonathan osorio hope you enjoyed that we are going to move away from the national team stuff now get back to club football and we're going to be looking at some stuff from around mls and have a little bit of fun with some predictions for you and we're going to be back with all of that after this Hi, I'm Kakuda Mane. You're listening to AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a world exclusive, or we think it's a world exclusive. That was the new royal family with a song, an unreleased song, called I'm Only Happy, which was given to us by lead singer David Barnett, him of anyone fancy a chocolate digestive fame, and of course from our Christmas special, if you listen to that. Sent me a couple of new Royal Family songs that hadn't been released, and he doesn't think that song has actually been played anywhere. They recorded it for what was going to be an album that never came out, so that could be a world exclusive. I'm only happy when... dot dot dot. Watching football. That's one of the things... I wouldn't say I'm only happy when I'm watching football, but most of the time... That I was going to say, you, you, you are, I've often seen you disgruntled, angry. Yeah, maybe that was a really bad idea. Maybe I'm never happy when I'm watching football, actually, when I, when I look back at it. That's just the teams I've Let's just go over East Fife, the Vancouver Whitecaps, Wimbledon, West, West Ham. Who else? Yeah. Scot- Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I'm never happy watching football. Yeah, let's, let's just scrub that from their record. Let's just move on with this part. We're going to be chatting some MLS in this part, and we talked last week about the brewing battle between the league and the players again. We talked about what Don Garber had said to media, select media, not ourselves. We played you some audio last week from Bob Foos, which got a lot of good downloads, actually. I think a lot of folk were really interested in that, had a lot of good feedback on that. And then things were just going along and didn't think any more of it. But then, just before the draft, Don Garber released a letter. I don't know what he was trying to achieve from the letter. It kind of really only made things worse. Did, did you see the letter, Zach? Yeah, I saw it in the notes here. I, I thought I misread it that you said, Donnie G's letter was daft. 
but it says Garber's letter before the draft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you are right. His letter was daft. It was, it was just, um, it, it was frustrating. I mean, if you listen to the, the, the episode last week with Bob Foose and stuff and him talking about how in previous years, they, they both sides were intentional about not um, negotiating through the media. Um, Garber's comments before the letter were that very thing. Mm. Um, based on uh, Foose's response or, you know, uh, interaction with it saying these are things we uh, that, you know, Garber's doesn't know what he's talking about in terms of the 30 days. And um, I, yeah. And so this letter felt like a continuation of that. It felt like, um, like it, them putting out there, uh, them just trying to spin things to make it to make it to make it sound good. There's very little. Yeah. Of, there's very little in terms of substance and content and numbers in there. It, it was like they wanted to get the message out because they felt that what he said to the media hadn't been widely enough reported and everyone had picked up on the union side. So it's like, oh, we need to get this out to, to more of the general fans. They'll they'll back us. Yeah. And most of the responses I saw weren't really backing them. Yeah. Um, but no, it just felt... Yeah. The, the, him, I know he has to and it's, it's spinning and, and trying to shape things, but calling even though i know it sounds like it might move this way calling the extending the deal two years fair is just mind-boggling to me and if the, the players if the players accept that i i that's a big mistake for the for the future players of this league it, it was a, it was like passive aggressive because it's like oh the players they gave up so much i was really grateful to them they were they were yeah. really good but they're not doing what we want at the moment and then stressing that they're getting 100% of their salaries this year. Yeah, what a joke. They're putting that out there clearly so that the general members of the public would read that and go, well, what, the, what the hell are the players complaining about then? They're yeah. getting all their salary because they're not thinking long term. And no one's really delving into the, the long term thing. And the, the football and landscape should change drastically after the World Cup in 2026, yeah. you would think. So, like I mean, the players are before. right to, to kind of like look after their thing and it's all like protecting the long term stability of the league by providing an opportunity to earn back some of that financial loss in the future and then like you we're all eager to begin the 2021 season this coming March no I'm quite happy for it to, to be delayed to, to be totally honest I, I liked the that was released and then the Twitter of the Players Union yeah. were like, at us next time. Yeah, I but saw them. The two parties have had a meeting on Friday and the union has put their counter-proposal now to the league. And I guess we're just waiting to see it, how the league deal with that. I heard, I don't know if this was from the league or from someone who in the know or whatever, but did I heard, thought I heard someone say that a part of the counter-proposal the players were accepting the two-year extension. Is that I I don't know. I didn't see that. Okay. I'd I be hope, very I, I really surprised. Hope if that is the counter proposal, then they're obviously wanting other oh, stuff. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see. It's. I think it's good that the union didn't put their counter proposal out there yes. in public and play it all out in the public because they shouldn't be. No. Um. Yeah. We'll see what the next week brings. I, I guess. I mean, it's hard to really predict what is going to happen in Major League Soccer this year, what's going to happen in the Canadian Premier League this year. We do know David Clanahan's talked about 
hoping that the the season's going to start mid May, the Victoria mid- long Victoria weekend. long weekend, yeah. I'd love that to be the case with the way that the rollout is going and you see on Friday when they announced what was happening in BC and like who's going to be getting the injections whenever. I mean, from, from the rollout there, I look to be getting my in my vaccine end of July into August. Um, And I'm in the, I'm in my early 50s. So you're looking at the general population that could be looking at August into September so I think it's hard to see fans back any time this year, I, I I think. But if we can get some games in, if we can get a season going in CPL, I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I wonder, yeah, I mean, CPL, yeah, that that, that is one thing. The, the MLS in their situation, obviously there's going to be some states where they're going to make whatever decisions they make, right? Well, yeah, I, I happen to... I've, flicked on to watch CTV News at six and it wasn't on because it was the the Pigs. American football and it was yeah. Kansas City and Buffalo and it was in Kansas and I'm just looking at all those people in the stadium and I'm like, what the hell how, are you How doing? full was it? Was there any social distancing? Oh yeah, I mean there was social distancing and oh. they were using both tiers and there was lots of gaps in between them. It just it just makes me uncomfortable just seeing crowds. I'm watching a lot of UK shows that were recorded before the pandemic. They seem to do a lot of my favourite like panel shows and in big batch recordings in like January before all this was done. You're watching it and you're seeing audiences all close together and you're like, oh, that just looks so weird. Folk hugging each other, contestants shaking hands and it's like, ah. Yeah, yeah, you definitely know when they were shot. Yeah, it's going to take a bit of getting used to again, like seeing crowds and jumping about and folk close to each other in stadium still just looks weird to me. Of course, as an East Fife fan, seeing crowds in a stadium just looks weird <laughs> at the best of times. But but I, I put a thing out on Twitter. It's a little bit of fun for the, for this show to, to get some predictions for the season. Mm-hmm. And I wanted folk to give us a Whitecaps prediction, a MLS prediction, and a CPL prediction. So I'll, I'll give you mine. My Whitecaps prediction is the Whitecaps will not get their number 10 that that they're out to get. They might get a guy that can play a number 10, but he's not going to be their number 10. So just to clarify, when you say that you're saying they're not getting one A, one B, or one C. Yes. Do you think they'll publicly admit that? No. Oh, okay. But it might not be a traditional out-and-out number 10 that they get, and it'll be spun that, oh, this guy can play a 10, something something like that. Yeah. But when they, we were joking about... the pessimist. Mm, but when oh, we're joking about things falling through, I tweeted a, a gif from Plan 9 from Outer Space. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Oh, it's so terrible. It's so good. But then I thought, I haven't watched that for years, and I found it on Amazon Prime. So instead of working on stuff last night for the show, I found myself watching Plan 9 from Outer Space again. <laughs> if you have never seen it, you've got to check it out. It's so nine? badly shot. It's... You, they had budget issues and they didn't have permits for filming. So you've got scenes. Half the scene is shot in daylight, half is shot in nighttime, and they're talking to each other. And one character is in the sun, one character is at night. What year is this from? Late 50s. Oh. You've got people that had put money into the film that were giving acting parts, and you can't understand what they're saying because they don't even speak very good English. Is this British? No, it's American. It's an Ed Wood film. 
don't know if you've ever seen the film Edward. Oh, I love Edward films. I've got a lot of them on VHS. I've got a lot of them on. Do we DVD. need to now go over a list of crimes and misdemeanors then? <laughs> it's like check it out. Anyway, I've got sidetracked. My MLS prediction yeah. is Frank Lampard will be sacked by Chelsea. Ronnie Dahlia will get sacked by NYCFC. Frank Lampard will have taken over NYCFC by the end of this season. And my CPL prediction is there will be some kind of organisation below the CPL involving League One Ontario, Quebec and a BC, maybe even Western Canada Development League. They'll all be under an umbrella in a kind of Canadian Premier League Development League, a kind of PDL of the CPL to get these players and opportunities for these clubs to develop with an eye to maybe moving up a level later on. That's your best shout of the three, I think. Well, actually, no, with the Whitecaps not getting a 10 row. Yeah, that could be a good one. So what, what would your predictions be before we get to some of our, our listeners' tweets? Uh, yeah, I mean, with the Whitecaps, uh, my prediction would be that they... Um, well, I want to stay consistent with last year. So I'll say they don't, whatever happens, they don't make the playoffs. Um, that would be my for them. For MLS, um, my prediction would be, um, well, before the rumors I was hearing on Friday, I would have said that there's going to be a work stoppage of some kind. But now I'll say um, with MLS, MLS is going to let in a number that we feel is ridiculous for number of playoff teams. And... <laughs> And for CPL, I'm going to say CPL is going to be the most engaging and exciting season so far. Oh, that's interesting. How would you see them doing that? With the CPL? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know. It could be a number of ways. It could, it could be even like the whole season is no fans and then the cup or the playoffs or whatever or something at the end mm. is all fans because it's in October and they can and people are uh, vaccinated or whatever. Yeah, I don't know that we'll get a full season in CPL. Oh, They'll get a season. I oh, see no, yeah. No, I know. I, I would just say that. I'm just... 30 game season and then having like a, like a, either a single or double, double knockout like tournament or, or you know, home and away uh, cup thing at the end of the year. I'd like some bubble tournaments once I've had my vaccine oh, yeah. so I can go to them. And I wouldn't mind going to PEI because seriously considering moving there. I've actually been doing genuine research as to possibly moving there. I just, I we were meant to go there, I've spoken about this in the show before, on holiday in 2019. It's all going into one. And the research I did, I love the place. It just looks my kind of place. So it's a possible retiral place that, that we are looking at. You know there's lots of snow there, right? I don't mind the snow. Okay. As I said, I like pissing in the snow. Um, I, uh, I I think most people would have figured you've more of a Nova Scotia kind of guy, but yeah, PEI. I cool. think the weather in Nova Scotia is a lot worse than PEI from what I can gather. Really? Not a lot, but it, it's it's worse. PEI doesn't look as bad as Nova Scotia. They're out there in the <laughs> I'd, I'd rather stay in BC, just affordability-wise, like what I could get and what I can buy and stuff out there compared to what I could buy in the island here or something. And now with Zoom, we can do the show like this. For, yeah. For, yeah. I, I, if I can do an East Five podcast, number one rated East Five podcast. 
in the world. Number one East Fife blog, right? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Even after my two-year hiatus, I came back and I, I was still number one. <laughs> um, let's get to some of the, the readers' predictions. Daniel Wynn, for his Whitecaps one, says the Whitecaps don't get their ideal attacking mid. This is going to be a, a trend in these predictions. Yeah. For MLS, Inter-Miami fires their head coach at the end of 2021. Phil Neville? Yeah, we're going to talk about Phil Neville in a little bit. And for the CPL, Ottawa folds and is replaced by a team in Quebec. I think we'll get a team in Quebec. I'm not sure about Ottawa folding. Well, did you hear about the Ottawa, how Ottawa is the only team that didn't get federal funding? No. Because they were like a new organization or something. Um, all the other teams apparently got some kind of federal money, like businesses got in Canada, or you could apply for it. But yeah. apparently Ottawa didn't qualify, I think because of their newness or something like that. And That uh, would be something that would make possibly their parent company decide to pull out if it was another difficult year. Interesting. Yeah, I hope that I hope it doesn't happen mm. as much as I don't like what the Fury, uh, you know, a number of things about the Fury from the preceding years. Yeah. I kind of hope it's not a another whole another whole uh, soap opera for for some of the supporters over there. I, I think you'll like this. Just a White Caps prediction. This one from Dennis at Den underscore Moraine. The White Caps say they will sign some significant players in the transfer window after the next, after the next. After the next. TJR, his Whitecaps won. The Caps finish as the best Cascadian team. MLS, Columbus win the Supporters' Shield but don't make the MLS Cup. And for CPL, two new teams are announced. One in Quebec and one off either Saskatchewan or BC. All very likely, I think. Well, maybe not the Caps finishing as best in Cascadia, but CPL one is definitely likely. Aaron Campbell, our good friend and former writer at AFTN. The Whitecaps won't give Baldissimo the minutes he deserves. LAFC will continue to dominate during the season, but flop in the playoffs. And Pacific FC will top the league table. Mm. There's a few, actually, a lot of Pacific fans in this. Mike at Victoria Gunnar says, The Whitecaps will be rotating keepers each and every match. <laughs> Diego Valeri will win the MLS Player of the Year award and Pacific will make the North Star Shield final, but Forge will not make the playoffs. Hmm. Mm, indeed. Rick Halland. Whitecaps play some home games, just not in our stadium. Ronaldo signs with Miami, the Brazilian one. Oops. And we get... Oh, I get, no, did you get that? It's a no, joke. It's I didn't. Like they signed Ronaldo, but it's old, fat Ronaldo. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know, I read Ronaldo and I actually thought of the old Ronaldo. I didn't even think of the current one. That's why I was confused. <laughs> and the CPL one is we get Island Games Part 2. Fingers crossed for that and that I can go to it. Because I have some WestJet dollars that run out in September and I really need to spend them. And right now, I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm on the vaccine. Um, Fort McMurray FC Edmonton supporters. So this might give you an idea. Canadian Premier League clubs invite the three Canadian MLS clubs for the season because of COVID restraints. Canadian fans rejoice and enjoy the best season ever. Mm. There you go. That's how it's the best season ever, Zach. The Whitecaps are in the CPL. And they get crushed. I could see that happening. 
Not too many more. Uh, Angus Walker, Whitecaps will buy players we stupidly think will be better than last year but fail to make the playoffs <laughs> again. MLS, the reputation the Whitecaps have amongst their fans. MLS ignores the pleas of Whitecaps supporters begging for the club to be sold to someone who gives a damn. And the Canadian Premier League side, and a Canadian Premier League side, knocks the Whitecaps out of the Voyagers Cup again. I just hope there's a Voyagers Cup, proper Voyagers Cup. I'm not hopeful. I am quite pessimistic about this year, I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, our good friend, Naveed Masinchi. The Caps won't get the playoffs and they get rid of MDS. Kikuta Mane, who we'll be talking about soon, will play a major role and do well in Austin. And in the CPL, Bustos will destroy the league and get transferred to a higher level team. Back to MLS, maybe. Greg Petrie, the Whitecaps sign a player who is not a 10, but they say can also play a 10. He cannot play a 10. First time in six seasons, neither Seattle or Portland make the MLS Cup final. And the CPL plays more than last year, but not a full season of 28 games. Two more. C.D. Pryor, Caps win the Cascadia Cup, but the Cup is not awarded. (laughs) The MLS agreement with players results in a one-year extension of the current CBA. I could see that as the compromise. CPL takes a step back with one team folding and also one soccer disappears. It's going to be tough for some of these CPL teams funding-wise. I I do worry, not even just in CPL, but in in Latin America for USL, NPSL, stuff like that. It's a lot of worrying times, I think, for these. I'm looking teams. forward to some hopefully good CPL news in the next few weeks. But yeah, fingers we'll crossed. We'll We've got a draft coming up on Friday. Yeah, and no, I was thinking about the draft. Oh. I'm hoping for some other CPL news. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, oh, have you got some inside info that you can't share? Oh no, 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 no. Oh. I have no inside information right now. And the last one is from a good friend, Peter Zimmerman, who his friend Dim was like, "Oh, you're so funny," and he's like, "I'm being serious here." And these are. For Whitecaps, BC Place opens up the upper levels for a regular season match, but only for a 20,000 sellout. I, I think they would need to open the upper levels, really, yeah. if they want to get fans in. And we're probably still looking August, September, October, maybe. The MLS playoffs is expanded to 16 teams. I could see that as well. And this is the one that, oh, you'll love this one. Pacific FC becomes an affiliate for the Whitecaps, as a new South of Fraser CPL team is announced. Are they already technically an affiliate of the Whitecaps with all the former Whitecaps players they sign? No. Joke, 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 joke. If, if the Pacific FC fans can get really upset about a name of a stadium, don't upset them. But thank you so much for that. I really enjoyed I I love getting mm-hmm. all the... The feedback from our, our listeners. It was a very popular feedback section. But talking about a few things that came out of that, just to round off the show, some MLS news. Kakuta Mani has signed for Austin. He's going home, Zach. He's going home. Not a surprise. No. But is Kakuta up to MLS level? Uh, well, no, I think he can play a role, but he's not going to be your week in, week out starter. Uh, he he. So him returning there is. Uh, I'm story. delighted for him. He's got his family yeah, I'm there. For him. But there's a story we need to tell about this. Uh, I know we talked you and I before about doing maybe an Austin show in the off season. Mm. So hopefully, 
I have a guess we need to get on to tell like that story from a person kind of on the ground from the Aztecs point of view. Yeah. Who's, who's um, gone through some of the horrors that they've gone through and now is hopefully going to get to um, be a part of some of the excitement that happens. I'd love, love to get them on the show. Yeah. But Kakuda, yeah. And Matthew McConaughey. Just throw that out there too. Oh yeah. Just in case he's listening. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that's the main reason I'm going on all these Austin calls. They get to know me. I get in. I'm like, Matthew, my wife's just read your book. Has she? She, 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 yeah, she oh. just read it. She loved it. She said it was fantastic. She's oh. not really one for like autobiographies and stuff, but she yeah, really I saw him it. promoting it. I haven't, I haven't read it, though. He seems a really nice guy, actually, and he's, he's been through a, a, a lot. But yeah, Scooter going there, this is his, surely his last chance to... To be a, a was his contract player. just up in, in in Columbus? Was he like a I guess. free agent or he like did very he, like he did nothing there really and didn't do much in Cincinnati and I I think it's not a risky signing and you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. I do I worry his best days are behind him, but maybe this is what he needs to How rekindle. Old is he now? I mean, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna say twenty seven or twenty eight. But okay. let's just shake. Yeah, he. It's on. Uh, like twenty six. He's still just twenty six. So again, people went on and on about Robbo's approach to management and dealing with players and stuff, or whatever. But Kakuta Mane, I was arguably, arguably a player who his best time as a professional was in Vancouver. With the Vancouver Whitecaps now, obviously Rennie Martin Rennie also was played a role in that, but um, so like there was a lot that they they did right, <laughs> or there was there was a lot in in this is an example of how they dealt with a player I think really really well, and they they did some good things to help him progress. Um, it, it's just unfortunate. Like he's one of those players where I think so. This is just my take on things. <laughs> Is that as anyone in a, in your job or whatever, you can get distracted by outside things. They be, can become distracting, yes. or take away your focus, or uh, or usurp your energies. <laughs> and I think, well, I know, well, yeah, I think that's part of the Kakuta Mane story. Yeah, because he's a, he, a, he a young talents. guy. He definitely has talents. Yeah, a young guy, a footballer, good-looking guy, doing young guy stuff goes off the rails a little bit yeah he didn't help himself here with a few things like his timekeeping yep stuff like that it's a lot of it's immaturity yep and he is just 26 it's like he's still 26 yeah oh my he's so I mean, young. He, not young but if this unlocks him i'll be delighted for him because i really like scooter we'll, we'll get him on the show like i i, I was joking obviously about the Austin stuff I, I've actually really enjoyed going on their calls because I, I'm i still fascinated by like new clubs launching because I come from a country where it's all old established clubs but to actually start a club from scratch and I know the way they got it isn't great but it fascinates it, it, me seeing these clubs start the way this team is starting isn't great I agree with you but the, again there's a bigger story that we need to, to talk yeah. about and they've done so much right and they've got the naming rights of their stadium on Monday. I, I, I like their 
their jersey design. I like their crest. They're I sold like, out, right? Yeah. yeah I, their, their, their logo is a circle and a tree, right? Yeah, I really like it. That, that, I, yeah, I'll tell you a story <laughs> when we're done this about, about something that, cool. that makes me think of. Well, at least it's not a snowflake. <laughs> but apparently, actually, neither is Montreal's because let me read you this. Um, Daniel Wynn, who is from Montreal, he got in touch with us. He listened to the show last week, said it was a great podcast. He agrees with our overall feeling regarding the rebranding mess, but he wanted to, to let us know a few things, which was fantastic stuff. I tweeted this out. So he is at VKD Wynn on Twitter. So first of all, no soccer or football club in French-speaking European countries is using the acronym CF, let alone Club de Foot. They usually use football club or FC for the name. CF is more commonly used in the Spanish-speaking countries, like yeah. Real Madrid or Tigres, things like that. So, Because we were wondering, is there any other French size that do that? So no. No business can officially use the name Olympique as it is an IOC trademark. So I did uh -huh. not know that. While clubs such as Olympique de Marseille, Olympique Lyonnais and Olympiacos probably have an exemption, probably used it, I guess, before the trademark and stuff as well, changing the name of an existing club now to Olympique would lead to any sports organisation facing legal issues by the IOC. Hmm. That and makes the fact, sense. The fact like Inter Milan can sue Inter Miami for using the word Inter. Isn't Inter Milan like officially trying to change their name from Internazionale de Milan to Inter Milan? Oh, I, I didn't know I, that. I heard that they're trying to, yeah, officially change it to just Inter. Ah, huh. interesting. I, I don't like that. It should be oh. Internazionale. Yeah. And the last one, which is the interesting one about the snowflake. During French radio interviews... Montreal Crest's creator, Justin Kingsley, mentioned that the crest does not represent a snowflake. The idea of doing the marketing around the snowflake is based on a comment made by an MLS executive who thought it looked like a snowflake. So I said, oh, so what is it then? What is it meant to be? What did they say? And he said, some gibberish about representing the city of Montreal with the M's and the arrows. Oh, yeah. No, they, I think they did say that in the thing. But here's the... Yeah, and they did mention the comment from MLS. in the Someone in else did say it's Olympics logo and famous Metro, so that it's tied in with that. But yeah. it, So it isn't... Officially, it is not a snowflake. But but then why did... Then that one guy talked about being a snowflake all, like on the thing. Yeah. As, again, I think as a response to the the Twitter stuff from the day before. Like yeah. Or whatever. So they just... They, just, they, it, they did not look like... It came off not good in in that whole that whole thing like they put something out it got leaked they heard the criticism and they tried to defend the criticism the next day which made yeah they should just say i know you think this is a snowflake it's not yeah but yeah and they said they said no we're all snowflakes and we make a wall together and we're the blizzard toronto blizzard the new one like so bad oh Montreal, Montreal Manic are actually hiring people for their youth academy. I followed them on, on Facebook after last week's show, so I've been getting When's your If I spoke French, I would go for that. Oh. But it is quite cold there as well. I still think PI. PI. Anyway, last bit of MLS news, and then we'll pretty much wrap the show up. 
Phil Neville was appointed into Miami manager. Yeah. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. It could be a car crash. Maybe I'm proved wrong. He's just so inexperienced for taking this on. He's inexperienced just in general in football management without coming to a league where it's completely alien to anything that he knows. I don't know, Michael. He's owned. He owns a football club. I think he knows what he's doing. He owns an English football club that does not have to deal with weird shit. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> I know. I'm just making fun. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I was hoping to be on his introductory press conference, but into Miami will just not add me to their mailing list to, to get on the calls. Oh. I've been trying all week, and I, I just it, wanted to go on the call. Because you're Scottish? Maybe. I just wanted to go on and went, Phil, I really want to know your memories of playing for Man United against East Fife in that 1995 friendly at Bayview when you came on as a second-half sub. Talk us through that day and just how special it was for you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. I would wear my my strip that we wore that day, which was a special tartan strip for the occasion. That would be awesome. I will get him. I will ask him that question. I believe it. If no, he I comes mean, here, he last that long. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was going to say if he comes here, but yeah, you'll be out by then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is it for our MLS chat. Before we round the show off, though, we've got to have this week's wavelength. I promise you some different kind of sounds this month. We've had a reggae song. Now we're actually going to have a little bit of rockabilly. Do you like some rockabilly, Zach? You look like a guy that would like rockabilly. Yeah, I look like that. I, I could do with or without it. I'm not really a fan, but I'm down the bottom of the, the football wavelength songs at the moment. So this is a song from 2009, but it's from a punk band or a punk new wave band that came out in the late 70s, early 80s, but they changed their style completely. Ten Paul Tudor, don't know if you know about them, they did uh, Swords of a Thousand Men, uh, Who Killed Bambi? Who Killed Bambi? Who Killed Bambi? No, not ringing any bells. Okay. Anyway, this is a song from their 2009 album. Made it this far. This is Ten Paul Tudor with football rockabilly.
Paul Tudor, football rockabilly, something a little bit different to round off tonight's show. That is it. Thank you for staying with us for another filled episode. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, Zach, and any final comments that you want to make. Uh, on Twitter, uh, it's at Zachary AM. And uh, yeah, stay safe. And uh, especially if that snow, <laughs> if that snow comes. Fingers crossed we get or when? I snow. guess when it comes, right? I, I love the snow. I well, want it to come. Oh, yeah. Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to come out and play? I don't know how the song goes. I've got a special carrot. You should see what I did with it today. Yep. Uh, you can find me watching Disney Plus. Because I've signed up to it. Uh, Zach's turned me on. We'll rephrase that. Maybe we won't have a big pause. So that's turned me on to, to what films to watch to catch up with the Marvel Universe because I've been watching WandaVision and really been enjoying it. He wanted to know what films of the Marvel Universe I had watched. I said, X-Men 1. I said, <laughs> oh. That's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No. But... So I've got a lot of catching up to do by the looks of it. Big fan of Harley Quinn though, so looking forward to seeing her as, and all these. As, <laughs> as long as you follow that map I sent you, you'll be fine. Yeah, you just said everything, and you sent me. No, I, no, but I gave you every the order. single film on it. No, it's the, the film and the TV shows and the one shots. It's the order you watch it in. Yeah, so there might not be much in AFTN for the coming years as I kind of catch up with this. Hey, I'm rewatching that that thing. I'm rewatching it this year. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's so many things to watch and so little time. If only there was some something that happened to the world that gave us more time to be at home. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Give us a follow on Instagram at AFT in Soccer. And please like, subscribe, turn on notifications on our YouTube channel, AFTN Canada, on YouTube. We'll be back next week with another fun-filled show. Going to have some interviews I'm working on, hopefully, to, to bring you next week's show as well. Maybe with a little CPL bent with the draft coming up on Friday. I'm going to have some stuff that I wrote... For some site, I have no idea what it was, but it was about the, the draft and the Canada West, sort of my, my top four. I'll, I'll tweet that out when it comes out. But anyway, until then, thanks for listening. Take care and more the caps. Let's get that number 10. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...